So we are in a series called Transform. It's really the next seven weeks we're going to kind of uh, go talk about these different uh, major areas in our lives, these key areas of our lives. The theme verse for it is found in Romans 12:2. Paul is talking to the church in Romans and he's saying, hey, this is what God wants for you. He says, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so he's saying there's this process. God wants you to be transformed because it's easy to conform. It's easy to become like everybody else around you. But God is inviting us into to live a different way. And he's saying, I want you to be transformed. And it starts in your thinking. We said this last week for our introduction. We said healthy people do healthy things. And one of the things they do is they set goals. And that was last week's message. If you, if you missed it, you can catch it on iTunes. Uh, we also have the notes there. We'll put them up with the answers. If you missed any answers, you can go on and download those notes, PDF, and uh, fill them in or whatever. You can follow along with that. But we said healthy people do healthy things. And we talked about setting goals. We said that a lot of times we overestimate what we can do in one year. And we, we overestimate what we can do in one year. And we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Imagine if we were so focused and we had goals for our life that went beyond just one year or just beyond one month or one week. What could we accomplish? We said the difference between a goal and a dream is you put a deadline on it. It's important to dream. And last week we said start dreaming about these seven areas of your life. How would you, how would you like to be healthy in these different areas? Well, dreaming is important. Now this week we're going to talk about what goals can you make for being spirit, healthy spiritually. And we're going to say let's set a goal. And remember, the difference is you put a deadline on it. So we'll talk about that. Success, we said, isn't one big leap, but many small steps. So it's a week-by-week, week, a day-by-day thing that God invites us into to be healthy. And so healthy people, they do healthy things. Well, today is part one, and we're talking about spiritual health. And we're going to be answering the question, how do I get closer to God? See, sometimes we, it's, it's, um, we get in, these, in, in seasons of our lives where it seems like God can be distant. And it seems like we... Um, are alone or, or we really don't know what's going on and there's really no purpose, there's no meaning in life. Well, today we want to talk about that. If we're going to be healthy spiritually, we have to start with the number one thing that would be healthy is our relationship with God. And we're going to talk about that, what it means to get closer to God. And so um, here's what I want you to know. The way that you think determines the way that you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. So the next seven weeks we talk about being transformed we're not talking about just doing new things. In fact, we're saying it has to start in your mind. You can't feel your way into a better future. Sometimes you can't even act your way if you're not thinking correctly. So the, the goal is this. How can we start thinking correctly so that we can start feeling correctly and then we can start acting correctly? Don't ever follow your feelings because they can lead you astray. Rather, begin to think and then let your feelings come, come after that and then let your actions begin to follow through and do that. So the way you think determines the way you feel. The way you feel determines the way you act. So if you ever feel depressed, then it's not, it's not just doing new things. It's, it's beginning to th- you're, th- you're probably thinking depressed thoughts, and you're thinking thoughts that aren't healthy. So the answer is, well, start thinking healthy thoughts. Start out thinking healthy things. And for the next seven we're going to talk about that. What does that mean to transform our, our thinking in these different areas of our lives? Today is spiritual healthy. So the further, we, further away you get from God, the more your life is troubled, the closer you get to God, the more your life is transformed. See, in Proverbs, it says that, the, that the, the path of the unrighteous is full of thorns and it's rocky. It's tough. So like when you make a choice to go the opposite direction of God, you're inviting disaster and you're inviting difficulty into your life. And life is already a challenge enough without us adding our own problems and our own mistakes and our own choices, right? So we don't want to add to that. It's already challenging. Rather, we invite and say, God, I want to follow your path. So if you feel far away from God, usually it's because we made a choice. 
Here's the, the flip side of that is the closer you get to God, the more your life will be transformed. See, my relationship, when, when it's healthy with God, man, I, I, I think better thoughts. I have better actions. I have better interactions with other people because I'm living the way he wired me to be. I know when I'm, when I'm not as close to God as I should be. You know what? A couple of things I know. I, I don't pray as much. In fact, I avoid praying. It's kind of like um, if you ever had a, had a fight with somebody, you really want to avoid that person at all costs, right? You're like, I just don't want to be around that person. Why? You don't want to have the confrontation. You don't want to fix things. So you just run away. So when I'm not healthy spiritually, usually I don't pray, all right? I don't want, I don't want anything to do with God because I'm either mad at him or I'm doing my own thing um, or whatever. And so prayer lacks. It, it's, it's, you want to avoid um, people that are Christians or people that have a relationship with God because you, you might feel a little guilty or uh, feel like you should be doing better. So when, when we feel far away from God, it's not that God moved. It's usually because we stepped away and we went a different direction. So there's this idea in the Bible that it's called repentance. Repentance is the idea that we turn away from things that God doesn't want us to do and we turn back to him. It's this idea of returning back to the way he created us in the first place. It's like God is saying, would you walk this path? Just trust me and walk this path. And some of us, we start going down this path saying, all right, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. And then something else catches our eye, our attention, and we begin to walk away from God. Or repentance is saying, all right, I'm going to stop going my way, and I'm going to go your way. It's to turn or to return is the idea of this, of this word repentance. So we're going the wrong way. We see life's not working. We get to a place that we're like, this is just not working. We return back to God. And that's, that's how you, if you want to get transformed, this is where it starts. It's saying, I, I want to think better thoughts. I want to think thoughts the way I was created to think thoughts. And we begin to turn towards, towards God. So there's this, this famous story that Jesus told in the Bible, found in Luke 15. It's called The Prodigal Son. Some also call it The Loving Father. Um, it's a great story. If you've never heard this story, I'm going to actually read the story for you. You can kind of follow with me. And then we'll take some, some key points out of it to say, all right, when you feel far from God, when you feel you can't hear from God, and all these things, what are, what are the steps we need to take? What are the things we need to do? And we're going to pull those four things out. So this is what he said. Jesus tells a story about, about this, this, uh, this father and his, and his two sons. Um, that is not the right place. All right, let's go. Jesus told a story. That one, that slide. So Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, give me my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So his father divided his wealth between his sons. So the story starts off saying this man had two sons. The first son comes and says, dad, I wish you were dead. Essentially is what he's saying. It's not a really good way to start a conversation, right? So obviously this is a very unhealthy person trying to say, because usually you don't get your inheritance until somebody dies and passes away, right? So he starts this, this story off saying this man had two sons. The younger one says, Dad, give me my share of the estate now. Everybody would say, man, that's kind of rude. This guy is just demanding that his dad was dead and that he wants his own way and does his own thing. So he says, give it to me now. So his father divides his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the young son packed all his belongings and left home to live in a distant land where he squandered the gift he'd been given and wasted his life and money and wild parties and reckless living. So he takes his inheritance, 
This, this story progresses pretty quickly, right? He's like, all right, gets the money. He goes to a distant land and begins just to party, to live it up, to live what he thought was the good life. And he began to live it. And it says that he wasted his, he, and he, all that he had been given, and he wasted his life and money and wild parties. Get that? He wasted his life and his money. It wasn't just the, the possessions he was, he was wasting. He was wasting his life. He was using his time unwise. And it was a waste of his life with parties and reckless living. About the time all his money ran out, a severe famine hit the land, and he began to starve because he was left with nothing. The only job he could find was feeding swine on a farm. So he loses all his money. A famine it makes it worse. A famine hits the land, right? A recession happens, and nobody has any money. No, everybody's struggling the same. He can't find work. He's, he's, he's probably homeless. He doesn't have any money, so nobody's giving him money because, well, there's a, there's a famine. There's, there's a recession going on. So nobody wants to help him out. So it says that he took the only job he could find feeding pigs on a farm. So this, this, this boy was most likely a Jewish boy because the story, Jesus telling this, this story. Well, not only is that the worst job that you could find on the farm, finding pigs, but that's the worst job you can have as a Jewish person because pigs, were, they're not kosher. You're not supposed to eat them. You're not supposed to touch them. You're not supposed to associate with them at all. So as being a Jewish person, he tells his dad, I wish you're dead. Give me my money. I'm going to live it up now. You know, we do this sometimes in life. It's just, I want to live for right now. I want to feel good and do whatever feels good now. I'm just going to do it. And we don't always think long-term of what, where is this going to lead? What's going to happen here? You know, a healthy thought is playing the movie all the way through. All right? A healthy thought process is saying, all right, if I do this, it's going to have fun. You, the Bible says that sin, doing things that God doesn't want us to, it's fun for a while. It is. You can party up, you can live it up, and it's fun for a season but then it always produces death. Always. It says it always produces death. So sin is fun for a little while. Doing our own thing is fun. But, but it always ends prematurely and it always has uh, drastic consequences that are dire, that are not good. In fact, death is what it says. So a healthy thought process is, is, is beginning to play the movie all the way through. When you face a choice, all right, and you have to face this out, a lot of times we play a part of the story we, we play up to the fun part, like this is going to be so much fun. You know, I know she's not my wife, but nobody's going to really know. It's going to be a good thing. And man, she's, she's alone. I'm going to help her out. I'm going to help her fill. And people get into affairs because they think, man, it feels good. It's exciting. It's like a rush. But they stop the movie at the fun. They don't begin to play the movie saying, all right, so what happens after this affair? Well, things are broken. Things get hurt. Lives, lives are wrecked right? Marriages sometimes can't be restored, things like that. But if you play the movie all the way through, you begin to realize, oh, wow, this is not going to be good for anybody. It might be fun for a little while, but it's never going to end well. This young man didn't play the movie all the way through. He just saw fun. He saw living now. In fact, sometimes even as Americans, we're like, well, if I can't have it now, I'll just charge it and I'll pay for it later. That is not playing the movie all the way through. It's an unhealthy thought. Because when we have to pay later, we actually pay more for what it, than it's worth because of interest, because of time that it takes to get it back and pay it back. So he's finding the only job he could find, which is not kosher, say the worst job that, that the Jewish boy could ever find. And he says, feeding swine on a farm, pigs on a farm. He became so desperate and hungry that even the, the pig slop he was feeding the swine looked good to him, but no one would give him anything for his hunger. So he's so hungry, he's feeding these pigs, and he's like, I'm so hungry. Even that slop looks good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it. 
And then it says one day he finally came to his senses. And then he finally had a good thought. He said to himself, this is crazy. At my father's home, even the lowest paid workers eat well. While I'm far away dying of hunger, I'm going to return home to my father and I'm going to humbly say, Father, I have sinned against both God and you and I'm not worthy to be a part of this family or called to be your son. But please, just make me one of your servants who works for you. Who works for you. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a mistake. With that attitude, it's like double emphasis, who works for you? Who works for you? With that attitude, he headed back home to his father, but while the son was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, he has a speech ready. Remember, he has a speech ready. Man, I've sinned against both God and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, his dad didn't let him stop, he said, Quick, Bring me the finest robe in, in, in our house and put it on him. Then get my signet ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. Then roast the calf we've been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking. For This child of mine was distant and dead, but now he's back and alive. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. It's a cool story about God's love for mankind. So Jesus is telling the story. And you know what he's thinking the whole time? Our Father God loves you so much that even when you make bad choices and even when you don't play the movie all the way through and you get stuck in a pattern of life that you find yourself thinking, well, this is the good life, and, and you find yourself thinking even pig slop is going to be good for you, that, that God is saying even then, man, I'm still waiting and I'm still looking. So let's go through some of these, what we could pull out of this story. All right, go to the next one for me. So the first thing is this. We have to get fed up with life. You have to get fed up with life. See, he did not change until he came to his senses and realized, wow, this is not good, this is not healthy, and he got fed up. In fact, it said in Luke 15, he says, he wasted all, he had nothing left, he got desperate and hungry, and he finally came to his senses. He only came to his senses when he realized, this life that I'm living is not good. It's not healthy. See, you're not going to change. You're not going to be transformed in your thinking or in your way of life until the desire for the change that you want is greater than the desire for you being comfortable in whatever you're living in. We get comfortable in the way we live and we think it's not all that bad. In fact, it's the good life. Well, you know what? Living in America, we actually live the good life. And this is what's where, where it's really dangerous because when you have enough food and you have enough resources and you have enough things to satisfy and to entertain you, you think, man, I'm living a good life. This is good, which is true. It is a good life. We're blessed as Americans. The problem is it's not the best life, and it's not the better life, and that's the life God is inviting us to. See, the good life a lot of times will lead us to pig slop looking good. It'll lead us to a place where we realize, wow, this just doesn't work. See, the good life is following what everybody else is doing and doing the same patterns everybody else is doing when it comes to marriage, when it comes to handling our finances, when it comes to raising our kids. The good life is just saying, I'm just going to go with the flow. Whatever feels good, whatever feels right, just do it. That's the good life. It's about now. See, the son said, give me my money, give me my inheritance. I want to live the good life. I want to live it up now. He didn't play the movie all the way through. See, if he had played the movie through, he might have realized uh, money doesn't last forever. If I use it on the wrong things, I could get in a bad position. 
I could do this. This is what, what, what um, Jeremiah, prophet Jeremiah says, okay? This is God speaking through a prophet named Jeremiah in the Old Testament. God says, you will find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. See, when God seems far away, it's probably because you're really not fed up with anything in your life. You're, you're comfortable. You're okay with it. He says, as long as you're comfortable, you're not trying, you're okay with living what you're doing, you're not going to encounter, you're not going to find. Rather, he says, when you want it more than anything else, that's when you will find me. So if you want to find God, it starts with us saying, I want you, God, more than I want anything else in life. We have to get fed up with debt. We have to get fed up with, with being distant from God and not wanting to pray and avoiding people. And the first step is saying, God, we need to make things right. See, the son, he got fed up. So the, next, the next part, too, the second thing is this. Then we have to own up to our part of it. We talk about this a lot because this is an important step all the time. We have to own up. Because we're always going to make mistakes in life. We are. It happens. So the, the step is to begin to realize this is not good. I need to own up and, and, and own up to my part of this. Own up to my sin. See, in Luke, when, when, when Jesus told this story, he says, when he came to his senses, he said, I have sinned against God and you. Talking to his father. He began to own up and finally realize, wow, I made a really bad decision, a really dumb choice here. I need to own up to this. When he came to his senses. See, in Psalms, there's this, this song that's written by David. We talked about David a few weeks back. Why he, he made this bad decision because he was isolated. He had an affair with a, a woman that was married and then had her husband killed. And then eventually a prophet comes and says, David, God's not happy with you. You made a big mistake. And David finally realizes, wow, that was really bad. And this is the song he sings in Psalms 51. It's a great psalm. If you want to read it, this is what it means to own up. He says, be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love. Because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins. Wash away all my evil and make me clean. I recognize my faults and I'm conscious that I've sinned against you. He owns up to it. And because he owns up, you know what God does? He offers forgiveness. That's the great thing about God. He's this loving father that is waiting for us to just to say, man, you're not on a good path. You're walking your own way, but this way is better. That might be the good life, but this is the best life. This is a better life. And he invites us. See, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he says this about God. He says, the Lord says, no matter how deep the stain of your sin is, I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. So whatever you've done in your life, God says we can take care of that. We can erase the past. We can take away your sin. Why? Because God gave his son as a sacrifice that stood in the gap for us to be able to be forgiven for our sins and our mistakes, that we can have a brand new start. And he invites us to follow him in that. Our sins can be forgiven. So for, for being healthy, for, for, we're talking about being spiritually healthy. Well, one of the things we have to do is we have to get a habit of a spiritual checkup. You know, doctors recommend you go and get a checkup periodically. You want to make sure everything is functioning, working good, you get, um, that you're healthy, you're doing well. Well, we can do a spiritual health checkup, and we need to do it regularly. Some ways we can do that. Um, when, when you lay down at night, you know, it's a great, great way before you end your day. You can just say, God, um, are we okay? You know, you ask the question, God, are we okay? Is there anything I need to fix or anything I did? And I'll, I guarantee you, if there's, something's not right, he will, he'll remind you of what you did that day or a couple days ago. He says, you need to take care of that. That is not healthy. That's not good. Because he wants us to fix things so we'll be healthy people. 
It's a way to have a spiritual checkup. One way you could check is, how's your prayer life? When you pray, how do you pray? Is it all just give me, give me, give me? Or are you actually saying, God, would you lead me? Would you help me? I need your help today. If you avoid prayer altogether, that's a good sign that something's not right. I know, because when I avoid prayer, usually I'm avoiding having a conversation I need to have with God. When I avoid my wife, and I don't want to talk to her, usually I'm avoiding something because there's something that's not right. Can I say I talked to my wife all week this week? That, right? that means we're good. So <laughs> I was checking to see if you were listening. All right. So we talked all week. We had great conversations, and, and it was good. But when, when we don't talk and I avoid people, there's, it's, it's a, a signal and a sign that there's something that's not right and needs to be addressed. Other spiritual checkups. Um, when, when, when you read the, read the Bible, are you just reading to read? Or are you really saying, God, would you speak to me? Another way, when you come to church, man, are you singing all the songs? We'll talk about this in a little bit, what, what it means to offer ourselves up. So have, get in a habit of, of a regular spiritual checkup. Maybe ask, have friends ask you questions. How are you doing? How are you doing in life? Number three. We offer up by ourselves. Offer up myself. So the third thing that we get out of the story is this, to offer up myself. See, it says that, that the son, after he, um, after he got fed up and after he owned up, then he offered up. It says in Luke 15 that when he came to his senses, he said, I've sinned against God. That's owning up. He, Luke 15 it says, so, I, so the son drifted away saying, give me my share he returned to his father saying, make me a servant. So catch the two different parts. In the beginning, he's saying, give me. And then he's saying, all right, would you just make me a servant? Can I just live in the house again? I don't even have to be your son anymore. I just want to live in the house. Can you see the shift in attitude there? It's all about me to, wow, that path is not good. It's destructive to, just, can I just be part of the family? I'll just do my part again. Forgive me. And he offered himself up. See, in Romans 12, the, the, the verse that we're talking about, it says, because, of God's, um, because God is merciful to you, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, your thought process. It starts off by saying, would you continually make it a practice where you say, I'm going to offer myself up as a sacrifice. See, in, 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 in Jesus' time, they would offer sacrifices at the temple. They would take sheep. They would take uh, oxen. They would take birds. And they would offer these as, as, as um, uh, a way to say, here's my offering. Would you forgive me? Would you make things right? Um, you've blessed me. I'm going to give you something back. And they would offer these, these animals that they would kill on the altar. He's saying, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's saying, this is an ongoing thing. And here's the challenge with us being a living is we always want to crawl off that, that place of saying, I want to follow you, God. And we all crawl off and go to our own thing. There's something about us just wandering off. In fact, the Bible compares humans to sheep. And sheep are one of the dumbest animals on the planet. They will wander and wander just by themselves. They'll just go off and start wandering. They'll even wander into the, into the enemy's territory. They'll go into a den of wolves because they're not aware. Sometimes we, like sheep, it says, have all gone astray. All of us, at one point in our lives, some of you might be in this point where you've gone astray. God is saying, would you follow this path I have for you? And we're saying, heck no, I'm going this way. Give me my inheritance now. And we wander far away from God. God didn't move. It was our choice to walk away. And he's inviting us to say, would you come back? So he says, offer it. And when you, when you, when you get, begin to offer yourself up continually, you'll be transformed. 
See, this is the difference. I think this is one of the main things for what it means to be a Christian is Jesus invites us to follow him. But in following him, it means that we sacrifice our, our desires, our things like he did on the cross. In fact, he even says it like this. Take up your cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? That means, man, the good life is calling me. Living it up and parting is calling me. But today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up my cross and I'm going to follow you so I can help others. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and, and he calls us to follow him in this. It's the best decision you can make following Christ, but it's not always easy. It's challenging because it means we have to say no to some things that are good so that we can say yes to things that are better. And he invites us to do that over and over. So he says, be transformed, renewing your mind. We offer ourselves up. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about how uh, Moses was this person that encountered God, and he was so close to God that it says his face radiated with the glory and the presence of God. Like his face was glowing, and people said, okay, Moses, you're freaking us out. Can you cover that up? And he'd have to wear a veil so they wouldn't be scared of his presence, of him glowing with God's presence. He was so close to God that he was transformed. The prophets that were close to God, they were different. They went from being, uh, in some cases, cowards to having courage. Some cases being alone to, to having uh, people around them because they were transformed because they had this relationship with God that was changed. So he says in, in, in Corinthians... Corinthians 3.18, Paul's talking to the church of Corinthians. He says, We reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed in his likeness with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. He uses this word called metamorphosis. We get this word metamorphosis, right? You've, you've seen the picture. God takes this, um, this, this ugly caterpillar that's you know clunky and just moves really slow. It goes in this cocoon. And then what happens? Out comes this beautiful butterfly. That's, that's the word metamorphosis. He's saying be transformed. He's using this word. Be, be like, take your, your clunky, old green body, you know, behavior, and let me transform it into something beautiful that you can soar and live different. But you can wander. You can, you can, you can eat the leaves. They're okay. You get accustomed to it. Right? Have you ever eaten spinach like as a kid and you're thinking, all right, if this is all I had, I guess I can eat it. It's not like that tasty. It's okay. I like spinach. But as a kid, you kind of like, this is not that good. But over time, if you ate it over and over, you'd, you'd become like this place like, this is not that bad. I can, I can live with this. Until somebody introduces you to like Chick-fil-A and you're like, oh, that is living now. I don't know if I can go back to spinach because that stuff is good. We could stay in the path of the clunky caterpillar, eating spinach and eating leaves, living the good life. Or we could be introduced to something even greater, far better, and leave that for something greater and begin to soar like a butterfly and live. And this is my heart for this series that we're doing. God wants to transform and take you to, to this place that he created you to live in the first place. If you'll just trust him enough. I guarantee if you're willing to make the choices that he asks you to make, you'll have a better marriage. You'll, 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 be, able, you'll be a better parent. You'll be a better employer or a better a boss. You'll be overall better because his way is the best way we could possibly live. It takes work. But it's the best. He invites us into that. And so he says, um, Paul continues on saying, um, this ever-increasing glory, this idea is, is it's this process that you keep doing it. It's a process that you continue in this, saying, I'm going to follow you. Every single day you, you get and you say, God, I want to follow you down this path. I trust you. I'm going to follow you. And as you take that step, really it's like you're climbing this huge mountain, 
You're climbing it every step you keep moving up. This idea here is ever-increasing glory. It's this idea of a, of a constant ascend. We talked a few weeks about the, the downward spiral or the upward spiral. Well, where are you at? What, what decision are you taking? As you walk away from God, it's going to be a downward spiral. As you walk towards God, it's going to be an upward spiral. Every single step you take towards God is, is in this in ascent. It's a step closer to his way, a better way. We believe in this so much that this is our call as Christians, okay? God says, would you let me take you from being the clunky caterpillar to being a beautiful butterfly? It's a step at a time. It's a process that we move. See, we, 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 we feel so highly about this that we named our daughter after this to remind us. So our daughter's name is Aaliyah Constance. Aaliyah is this idea of, of ascending back up to the hill, to God's mountaintop, okay, to go up. And then Constance is the constant ascend. Our daughter speaks to us every single day when we say Aaliyah. We're saying go up, keep going up, make those choices to keep going up. It's a constant ascend where we reflect God a little more. We make a better choice. We, we, we think like him. We begin to act and respond like him. And it's a constant ascend that he calls us to. If you ever hiked up a mountain before, you know it's not easy. But the way you do it is one step at a time. You keep on moving forward. You don't stop. Constant ascend. We go from ever-increasing glory. So here's the Father's response. The Father's response is this. It said, filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him, and he said, bring the best. It's kind of like he said, all right, so my son spent half of my inheritance. We're going to give him some more. We have more to go around. And, and, he, and this is God's heart for us. This is God's heart for you. Even when we chose to go down a path that leads to destruction and, and something that's not good, his heart is saying, would you come back? I love it. It says, even when, the, when his son was far away, the father was looking and waiting and searching for his son to come back. His desire is for us to be in relationship with him. His desire is for you to be in relationship with him. And this is the story Jesus told to represent the love the father has for each of us. When he was far away, filled with compassion and love. You know how God views you? With compassion and love. You might say, no, you don't understand. I did some really bad things this week. God says, with compassion and love, he waits for us to return. Whatever you've done, God says, come on, I want to take you down the better way. I want to show you a better path. Stop living this way. Start living this way. And the Father's response is so amazing. One of the best stories I think that Jesus told to show God's heart. So the fourth thing is this. After this happens, after we get fed up, after we own up, and then after we um, offer up ourselves, then, we, then it's time to celebrate and party. See, this is what God loves so much when people return to him that it says that heaven has a party every time somebody says, God, forgive me. Man, I was far away with the pig slop, and I woke up one day and said, your way's better. I'm going to come home. And it says heaven rejoices and celebrates. You know, for the last um, 22 weeks, we've had people at the end of service that we say, would you follow us on this journey? Would you give your life to Christ, to God, and follow his way? And every single week, somebody has raised their hand. In fact, over the last five months, over 100 people have raised their hand and say, you know what, today I want to I make that choice. Yeah. And you know what heaven does every Sunday? They celebrate with us saying, yes, you're getting it. Pig slop is no good. Being a clunky caterpillar is no good. You can deal with it. You can manage it. Can I show you a better way? That's why the grove exists. 
Because we say God has the best way we could possibly live if we'll just join him and follow him. And his invitation for us is to say, would you take a step? Good, good step. Let's take another step. Take another step. Imagine every, every week or every day you took one step towards God. In one year, how close would you be to God? A whole lot closer than you are now. In 10 years, what could you accomplish with life if you could begin to climb and climb and climb and do that? So the party, the last one, this is lift up my praise. The fourth thing we need to do is when we realize that we're not far from God, so we, we, we get fed up and realize something has to be better, we confess and say, man, I've made bad choices. We begin to um, um, offer ourselves up, saying, today I'm going to do it again. I'm going I'm to return to you. I'm going to follow your lead. And then one last one is we lift up our praise. Some researchers in Sweden found that people that sing in groups are actually some of the healthiest people on earth in groups. Another, another study found that people that just sing period live longer. There's something about us singing songs that, that creates health in us. Spiritually healthy, but also physical health. How many of you want to live longer? I think you need to start singing a little bit more. But you might say, no, I don't sing very good. If you heard me sing, you wouldn't want me to sing. No, it doesn't matter. We sing. That's why we put the music so loud in here, because you can sing and nobody will even notice. You just join in with the party. And can I say, you guys have been singing so awesome the last couple of weeks. You get in and you sing we celebrate. This is why we sing. We lift up our praise because we are the people that said, I've gone my way for too long. Pig slop is no good. It sucks living in the pig pen. God, can I come home? And God says, Eric, I still love you. Even in your mess, would you come home? And we come home, and there's a celebration of God saying, I'm so happy you came back. Now, would you follow my lead? Would you let's live life together? We sing every Sunday to, to remind us that God has done something amazing, and he transforms us, and he leads us into that. See, it says um, in, in the story, it says we're going to celebrate with a feast and eating and drinking because he was lost, and now he's found. So the party begins. Every time a lost person is found, Heaven rejoices and celebrates, and so do we as the grove. And today, if you're here, and at the end of service, we give this opportunity, and you give your life to God, and you begin to follow him, we're going to celebrate with you. But also know that heaven is also celebrating with you. See, in the Psalms, it says, um, Psalm, David wrote right a Psalm, I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. We sing because God is good. See, we're going to give you a chance today to be healthy. You want to be healthy? We're going to sing at the end of service. We're going to say, like we do, we close the service out. Can, can I encourage you to sing? In fact, I heard one psychologist, he's a Christian psychologist. People go to him when they're depressed. He asks them, the first question he says, did you sing all the sun, songs in church today? And they're like, that's a weird question. I don't know. And he prescribes and says, for the next three weeks, when you go to church, every single service, would you sing all the songs? And then come back and see me. Because he understands when we sing, when we're talking to God, that's a, that's a good indication that something is healthy and something's right there. We're not saying you have to be crazy and scream and stuff like that. Just sing from a heart saying, God, you're so good. And we're going to close service off with a song and we're going to do that. But we lift up our praise. I will sing the Lord because he is good to me. So healthy people, they do healthy things. If you're here today and you say, I don't need any change in my life, you could take a break in the next seven weeks. They're not going to matter to you at all. But if you're willing to say, I can get healthier in every area of my life, and I want to invite God to lead me in that, I guarantee if you'll begin to, put, begin to think correctly and begin to put steps in front of you to, to begin to act out, at the end of this series, you'll begin to see transformation in your life. Healthy people, 
They do healthy things. And we're going to talk about that. Spiritually healthy people, what do they do? Well, they pray. They sing. They attend church. So here's, here's our challenge, okay? Start one new spiritual discipline that you will commit to for the next three months. Now, don't set this very quickly. Think about it. What can you do for the next three months? This could be every single day. It could be once a week. What would you do for the next three months that you'll commit to? You'll take your little bookmark and you'll put it in your car. Or you'll put it somewhere to remind you, oh, yeah, I need to do this. Here's some different things you can do. You can pray daily. You don't have the habit of praying. Pray daily. Jesus gave us a model in the Lord's Prayer. It's up on our website. You can go see it. It talks about the model where we kind of put God first and you walk through that. You could pray in the morning. I talked about you could pray at night. Ask God a question. God, are we good today? You can start your morning off by saying, God, today, man, I want to offer myself up to be of service to you. Use my life. Morning, evening, or both. Maybe one of the things you could do is start memorizing scriptures. When we begin to read the Bible and you begin to, to take those words that are, that are written by, by people that were close to God, something happens when we begin to get them in our heart and our lives. It changes things. Memorize the scripture a week. I gave you a card. You have a, you have a, a verse you can memorize this week. Read a portion of scripture each day. Maybe attend church weekly. Maybe you come, you know, sporadically every now and then. Maybe a good spiritual habit would, would say, you know, for the next three months, I'm going to come every single week. Can I tell you, when you do that, something will change your life. Not because I'm teaching, although I'm a pretty good teacher, all right? And Robert's a pretty good teacher. It's not because of that, but because God shows up and he takes somebody that's really not that good of a teacher and he does something even better. He takes something that's just human and he says, I'm going to bring something great. I guarantee if you come on a Sunday and your ear is open to say, God, what do you want to say to me today? He'll whisper one thing that will change your life forever if you're open. All the other stuff I say might be good, but that one thing he says to you is going to mean more to you than anything else. Attend church weekly. Join a group, a small group. Here's another spiritual discipline. Get in community with people that are thinking, that are trying to think the right way and, and follow God's thoughts. Serve on team. Man, be a part of serving a team in the Grove or serving in our community somewhere you can help people. It's a good spiritual discipline. Share your story with somebody. Every week, make it a point to say, I'm going to tell somebody about what God has done that I was slopping stuff and I woke up one day and said, God has a better way. I want to live this way. Share your story. And the last one, maybe sing. Maybe you never sang before. Sing. At church, sing. In your car, sing. Man, K-Love is a good Christian radio station. You can listen to it. They have good songs. Some of the songs we play that we play here, you'll hear. If not, we'll put on our Facebook some of the songs we sing. You can YouTube them and sing it in your car. Sing. So that's our challenge for you today. Healthy people do healthy things. If you want to be healthy spiritually, you have to do things that are going to help you develop your relationship with God. If you feel far from God, He never moved. He's the same. It's because you walked away or I walked away. He invites us to come back. Would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes? It would be closed service today. If you're here today, and as I talk about the prodigal son, you might say, I kind of relate to that guy. I did my own thing. I ran away from God. I'm in the middle of it right now, and I want to come home. I want to pray. If that's for you, I want to, I want to invite you into, to, to lead you in a prayer that just says, God, I want to come home. If you're here today, and you found yourself in a situation that is sticky and dirty and muddy, and you're just saying, I need help, would you pray this prayer with me from a heart that says, God, I want to follow you? If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can, I know I'm praying with some people, awesome. 
Anybody else? Say, I, I need God's help. I'm far from God. I want to be close to God. Awesome. Anybody else? Raise your hand and say, I, I want to say this prayer. I want to follow. I want to commit. All right, you that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? It's a simple prayer, just inviting relationship with God. It's that first step saying, God, I want to be close to you. Would you join us in this prayer? Everybody else kind of encourage those that raise their hand. Say, Father, thank you so much that you have grace and you have mercy for me. Would you forgive me of my sin, of my mistakes? Help me to come close to you. I believe that you died on that cross for me. And I believe you have a better way for me to live. I want to come close to you today. I want to come home. Forgive me. Make me a new person. Help me become like a butterfly. Live the life you always intended me to live. Would you be God in my life? And help me to follow you. Every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.